Hello and welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And uh, hello once again from the Beverly Hilton where we are tucked away in a room recording this podcast before rejo- rejoining the fray that is uh, CBS Day. Uh that is all the scene setting you guys really... Well, actually, no. We are going to talk about TCAs today. We actually are going to talk about the TCAs. Is that shocking or what? I mean, it's it's partially because it's very hard to think about anything else when you're inside this little bubble, as you guys have learned from previous episodes. And then also because, you know, one of the biggest points of the TCA is to gather as much information about what's coming on TV as possible and sharing it with our readers uh so why not do it for our listeners as well what what an idea indeed and so we've been having a fun time uh to some degree we've been there have been a lot of good panels a lot of lackluster panels too but that's to be expected and uh basically you know it's been a lot of work but uh we have learned a lot about upcoming fall shows and upcoming maybe not fall maybe far further down the line shows but who knows um so Right now, like the only networks we haven't seen present yet are the CW, Showtime, ABC, and NBC. NBC uh, Universal. NBC Universal, and not a lot to. There's not a lot to we're expecting to be big down the line from those from from them, except for Showtime is doing uh, two big shows, one with the name I'm forgetting, but is produced by Ben Stiller. And directed Escape from something. Escape from, yes, something, rather. It sounds interesting. I have to watch it tonight. Uh, Benicio Del Toro. Yes. And Paul Dano and someone else. Other people. Other people. Other people. Um, And then also Kidding, which is a highly anticipated Michelle Gondry series uh, starring Jim Carrey. We are not going to be talking to you about those shows because we haven't gotten a chance to uh, see those panels yet. So instead we're going to talk about shows that we're now really excited about based on what we've learned here in this very very cold ballroom well yeah and that's kind of the thing too about you know what's coming with abc and nbc you know uh we'll we'll share what we learn from them later on but the nice thing about tcas is you just you're surprised sometimes like every once in a while a show that you've only heard like a little bit about or just rumblings of that's not necessarily on your radar that's how they get it on your radar and uh for me one of those was uh the show that's awkwardly titled you Mm. Um, it's a Lifetime series, and uh, it stars Penn Badgley of Gossip Girl fame. And um, I talked to a few people about it back when it was uh, at it had a panel at ATX uh, in Austin in June. And um, I'd actually heard from a couple people within the industry who'd said they'd seen it. It was good, and they weren't people who were tied to it, so it wasn't like you know publicists or whatever. It was mm-hmm. just you know random kind of folks who'd had access and, and would tell um, you the truth theoretically theoretically yes uh so you know remain skeptical as ever but the the panel itself uh, offered a, a pretty good discussion about you know the issues that are brought up in this show i still don't know like i haven't watched it yet so again we're not reviewing anything we're not we're... spoiling anything obviously um but based on the information about this kind of uh this series where a man who's kind of in love with a girl and then the infatuation turns into something stalkery. malevolent. Yep, stalkery. And uh, and Penn Badgley kind of depicts this, I think as he put it, like a, like a uh, was it was a white, creepy white guy or like a... I wasn't there for uh, this An one. evil white man, maybe, I think is, is what he said. I mean, yeah. Um, and kind of how the show will test our limits of whether or not we can engage with that story after everything that's happened. Like whether or not we can actually... You know, watch a story about a creepy male predator and mm-hmm. see it as, you know, 
a form of entertainment. Like, it's not just there to entertain us, obviously. There's going to be more, it sounds like, within the series. But um, there's a level of engagement that is shifted because of the cultural conversation. And, um, you know, however this show works out, I'm interested. I'm more interested in it. And I think there's a cause for others to be as well so far. Uh, Plus, I, I mean... I always think the strategy of renewing something uh, at that time, like they, they renewed it shortly before the panel or like mm-hmm. right when the panel, whatever, like that day right. to kind of give it a boost of confidence going in. It's like, that's usually a pretty good indicator. So mm-hmm. uh, I think the last show I remember doing that was Killing Eve. And I, I don't expect anything to be, you know, Killing Eve this year because that was just great. But um, yeah, I like the I like the confidence. So. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, I, I, I like I, I just said I missed that panel unfortunately, but um, you know I'm glad I'm glad that the show I'm glad that they managed to keep selling the concept of the show because I think it is like a really interesting choice for Lifetime, and I like to continue to support Lifetime in exploring unique scripted content. Yep. Um, keep doing that, Lifetime. We like it. it yeah. When you do it well. Yeah, your 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 movies worry me, but your your shows sound good. <laughs> Um, speaking of things that I did, that one of us did and the other person didn't, uh, I attended the set visits for uh, two shows that are coming up, uh, Marvel's Runaways and Ryan Hansen, Solves Crimes on Television, Asterix. And uh, the, I want to highlight the, uh, the Runaways uh, set visit because, um, you know, that's a show. Ben's not a big fan of it. I enjoyed the first season. That's fine. It's, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed it more than you is what I'm saying. Um, but going on the set visit was really cool because uh, they, I think, very deliberately chose to do it as a set visit because they have some freaking awesome sets this year. Um, so we did two, we did basically saw two of the sound stages. One of them is essentially the uh, this abandoned mansion that the kids all end up hiding out in now that they are officially runaways. Spoiler alert for the end of the first season. They actually finally run away at the end of the season. <laughs> Okay, maybe that'll cut down on some of the bulk. Yeah, I think like there should be a lot of there should be a lot of interesting stuff that happens as a result, and getting to see like how they've dressed the set and all the details they've put into making it feel really like a place where six kids are squatting. Um, it was really cool and really beautifully executed, and also pretty grimy and dirty. So uh, it was actually then very cool to go to the other big set they have, which is essentially the headquarters for the evil parents, which again. Uh, which is which was beautiful and clean and very high tech, and full of also full of amazing details. It looks like it looks as a child of Silicon Valley. I can tell you what a tech company um, tech company office looks like, and it looks it's like spot on in every detail. Like it was fun just wandering around and looking at the post its on various desks. Like that was that was it was really cool, and it made me genuinely excited for the show's return. Um, and like in that, on top of getting to hear the producers talk about what they're planning and how where things are going to go. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think with with second seasons and stuff, especially when you've when you've already seen what the show is is or what it's trying to be, kind of getting those details and and you know. Um, kind of grasping a, a better understanding of, of what they're going for and what kind of world they're building can uh, hopefully indicate, you know, um, whether you liked it or not, improvements in, in the future. Like, whether you're, like, already 100% on board or whether you're like, I think it's pretty good, um, you know, stuff like that is, is valuable to know uh, so that 
you have a, a better appreciation of uh, whatever's next. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So um, for you, Ben, what's another thing that you've you've learned? You've another show you've discovered or gotten excited about because of its TCA uh, presence. Um, I I felt like I felt like Netflix did a pretty good job this year of of returning to the TCAs. They had fun. They yeah they put a lot into it. Like they they really tried to make it into a show for the critics, but they also supplied us with a lot of content like a lot of breaking news trailers posters teasers um i think anybody who was paying attention on that sunday probably noticed you know no matter who you're following on twitter just a a, a deluge of of (laughs) of netflix related information and um i mean i i think they had a number of good panels the the main takeaway i think i had from it was i hope nicole buyer does more things so i'd watch more things with nicole buyer mm-hmm. um i also i mean i i don't know if all about the washingtons will be any good but the kind of momentum they put behind it was interesting uh the ozark panel went a lot smoother than i anticipated it to go even though i i, I don't know if it gave us any indication as to whether or not ozark season two will be <laughs> again like an improvement whether you're a fan or not um, but no, I just, I, I feel like the information they put out there, especially, I mean, even the, I guess the disenchantment panel was pretty good for me. I, I, that was another one I didn't really get a chance to watch the screeners for and the way they talked about trying to make it a serialized show. This is Matt Groening's, you know, uh, third giant created series after Futurama and the Simpsons and his first for Netflix. Um, the, the way they discussed what why they wanted it to be on netflix and what they wanted to do differently from their past creations was something where i was like okay this isn't just a retread there's a lot of similarities obviously the animation style is similar but um it gave me a little bit of a little bit of a boost of encouragement for that thing which is coming out pretty soon that's like mid-august yeah so um so yeah i mean i thought i thought that was well done i thought amazon did something (laughs) similar on their day like not quite as showy but a lot of information. We got a lot of information that day, uh, including uh, Homecoming panel, which you enjoyed uh, quite a bit. I didn't see all of it, but yeah, I saw part of it. Yeah, and they. I think the big thing with Homecoming is uh, I think we, you know, Sam Esmail has his very distinctive style, and the, they showed us one clip that made it very, very clear that Sam Esmail did, in fact, direct all these shows. And then also, I don't know, this person named Julia Roberts showed up. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to be braggy, but that was a thing like hi julia roberts you are here in this world yeah and the panel was i mean from what i saw again i had to miss some of it for interviews but um i liked the clip i always appreciate the reminder that sam esmail is bringing something new into the world mm-hmm. um and you know hi sam if you're listening <laughs> nice <laughs> friend, job i want I friend want, of the podcast sam esmail yeah i wanted to say hi to you on the on the day but uh i got you were you were caught up in scrum madness work does get in the way but yes yeah, no, that's another... What's that? Is that October? Yes. Yeah, so Homecoming is the obviously the, the podcast adaptation um, that was a very popular podcast and, you know, remains to be seen if anybody can live up to David Schwimmer's voice vocal performance. It's but, a really good performance in the um, podcast. But yeah, I mean, again, what we saw looks good. Yeah. So... Um, Let me some Canna Valley. Keep it, keep it coming. Um, but yeah, they gave us... I mean, they gave us that weird release about... 
you know, their partnership with the Russo brothers. And th- this was something where it felt... You you literally got the right... I love your headline for that article. Well, it was it was because it was so vague. Like, I mean, I could... It felt like a press release where they're like, we know we're up against the deadline. We want to have this for TCAs. We've already got a... T- they already sent us like four or five press releases. So yeah. it wasn't like they were hurting for content. But it was like they wanted to make sure we knew it on the day. And they wanted to make sure that got out there on the day. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just this release that basically said... The Russo brothers, the directors of uh, Captain America Civil War and Avengers Infinity War Parts 1 and 2, right? They're doing yeah. both of them. Um, they've partnered, their production company has partnered with Amazon to create this hub series, like this weird show that's supposed to be like a franchise starter for all these other shows that will be tied into it so it's almost like they're announcing that they're building a universe but they haven't told us even what the basis of that universe is it'd be like if it sounded exactly like if marvel was going to tell us hey that first iron man's coming and we're going to have a bunch of phases and iron man's going to build this big universe but they never said the word iron man so like we just don't know what this show is going to be we just know it's supposed to be big yeah and so it's, it's not, something well, it's, it sounds like original ip um, yeah no exactly sorry yeah i should yeah. not have implied at all that it's it's like a an adapted property i i just it's it they definitely with the language they used in the release were trying to convey mm-hmm. a, a, a size a, a scope yeah. uh if you will and it was interesting even though they told us nothing about what the show is so. yes it, it was delightful yeah. um but yeah uh so other things i i think fx day is always a big one for us and i got really excited uh about it's always sunny in philadelphia's new season uh because they in in part because they staged this very this like weird hybrid of a live read but they also included some major some clips of major scenes from this episode that's coming up in the new season and then they also revealed how they're basically handling the dennis situation they're doing more breakout one you know two or three person episodes um and uh, there's an all-female episode which everyone's very excited about because it's basically a all-female reboot um all-female remake of uh the gang beats bogs which is an amazing episode of television so that should be a lot of fun. And I really got, I was really touched by this one moment where um, <clears throat> Rob McKenney was talking about the LGBT response uh, to Matt coming out as a character. And he was just like, I didn't know we could, we were that kind of show for people and we are. And that really, that really, that really touched me. Yeah. No, he, I mean, they're, they're always very, um, very self-aware very um very intelligent speakers whenever that whenever i get to see them see them on panels it's always kind of nice when they're not kind of dwarfed by the fan community that surrounds them because as he alluded to sometimes the people who love it's always sunny are a little bit crazy and a little bit uh pushy let's say yeah the Um, the 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 very cool and calm and non-assholey way they responded to dennis leaving the show or to, to uh glenn howerton taking a step back from the show really indicates that <clears throat> right yeah and and the people who make it are obviously much more much more thoughtful and much more engaged and much more socially conscious than their characters are that's why the show works so well as satire but um but yeah no they're i'm i mean it's season 13 they also had a very um just kind of lay it all out their line of i think some i can't remember what they asked them about they asked them about some sort of 
like why did you choose to do this and he was just like well it's season 13 we got to do something it was it was about uh really digging into max uh, sexuality oh yeah and i mean it's it's it could have been something where it seems flippant and he's tossing that aside and he's not doing that they really earnestly engage with that as liz you know you just pointed out um but at the same time you know they are in their 13th season so hearing an answer as refreshing as just like listen we're like we're coming up with stories we got to dig into these characters as much as we can and you know we've covered a lot of ground already like that's that kind of honesty can go a long way just in terms of you know getting you excited for a show that's not gonna you know repeat itself or not try to repeat itself and continue to push forward so yeah um yeah i mean I'm trying to think what else uh i i we're recording this uh late for us it's a sunday so to you'll theoretically i'm going to be editing this tonight so we can post it tomorrow uh, as you listen to this monday um so this morning we had the murphy brown panel and i don't know i feel like i feel like there are really good parts of that panel i feel like there's a lot of interesting stuff i think it's a little disingenuous to say oh we're going to be really topical and really try to be on top of stuff and then also say no we're not going to touch less moon viz because we already wrote that episode like it was kind of there's a little bit of maybe not complete honesty on that score, but um, I got to you know in talking to Diane English after the panel, she basically said we are actively going to try to bait Trump. Like there's they want they want his attention, they want him like pissed at them on Twitter, and I'm like that's a choice, and you know God help you. It is a choice. It is a choice. Um, any anything else from your end? Um, I mean, I, I'm very excited about what Noah Hawley decided to do with Fargo. Um, I think that a lot of people could have just kept writing that kind of Midwestern, Northern Midwestern, uh, you know, character trajectory for, you know, seven more seasons where they're just like, no, the, the people who live up there are just, they're white people. Like, they're, that's who it is. And instead, he's very actively going to engage with a black lead for the first time in the series history and they brought in Chris Rock for that. It sounds like the story is going to have historical ties to other elements of the franchise uh, since it's set in Kansas City and since um, one of the few other or one of the other black characters from the show originated in Kansas City. Um, I was going to say, wasn't like Bokeem Woodbine's character like... Yeah, Mike Milligan came from down there. Right. So. Um, but it, it's definitely not just trying to be an origin story, just like season two wasn't just trying to be an origin story for uh, what happened in season one. Like, there's, they're tying all of these, you know, quote-unquote true stories together in a fascinating way, and this felt like kind of a narrative necessity for them mm-hmm. um, creatively after season three, which was very good, and at the same time felt started to feel familiar in parts where you were just like, I recognize this kind of... Fargo-esque machination. Let's right. blow it up a little bit and see what we can do elsewhere. Is somebody going to make a poor decision that will lead to un- unfortunate events? What a shocking development. Um, not to be sarcastic by Fargo, a show I really genuinely like. Um, yeah, also, you know what's interesting about them setting it in Kansas City? While it does snow in Kansas City, it does snow a lot less. And one of the hardest things, apparently, about the Fargo production is uh, having enough snow uh, because of they try not to sh- they don't shoot in the dead of winter but they still want some snow and even in shooting up in calgary thanks to climate change a real thing uh you know they have a hard time keeping snow on the ground well that was one of the points that landgraf 
said to John Landgraf, the, the yeah. CEO of FX Networks and uh, Entertainment or FX something, um, the boss, no. he said that they hadn't decided where they were going to shoot it. So, like, they may not actually shoot in Kansas City so they can still avoid those logistical problems. Um, well, no, I mean, even shooting like in northern Canada, like, they've had that problem. No, I know, but I mean, if if we're worried about it snow, not snowing less and them not having enough, even in Calgary, right. if they did shoot in Kansas City, then that would be more of a concern. But it doesn't sound like they're necessarily going to do that, so they don't have to okay. have that concern necessarily. But at the same time, you know, it's set in the 1950s, so wherever they decide to do it, they're going to have to, you know, put in some more production uh, yep. pushes. So. Um, but no, I mean, and that's that's another example of something that doesn't come out for a while. Production doesn't even start until 2019 is what they said. So mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of long leads and immediate stuff coming from the TCAs. Um, we'll have obviously more from the broadcast side once we hear from ABC and NBC. Uh, but it's important, you know, just to kind of keep a reminder going for yourself, I think, of, of what comes out of here so that you as fans can kind of know the things you're looking forward to or if you see something on your dvr or you see something on your you know twitter you're like oh yeah yeah, yeah. I, I remember hearing about that show mm-hmm. and i feel like there was a enough of those that came out this year that um it, it's gonna keep us busy yeah i mean it just uh like 20 minutes ago they basically said that not 20 minutes ago more like a 40 minutes ago uh but right before i came in here i was downstairs uh enjoying the cbs all access introduction and uh it sounds like uh twilight zone is set to be the second show they premiere um on cbs all access in 2019 so you could we could you could be watching the jordan peele produced uh, twilight zone as early as march 2019 which is only seven months away oh boy Oh, boy, indeed. So, yeah, we're keeping up the best we can here. Thank you for listening uh, to us ramble about this event because we found sometimes that people don't really care that much, uh, but hopefully at least we made this vaguely interesting. I mean, it's, yeah, hopefully it's at least been a little bit servicey. You know, obviously with so much coming out every day from this program, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the news can get lost in the shuffle, so... Uh, even if you've heard a couple of these before, hopefully some of it's a little bit new. Hopefully the impressions are valuable. And again, just hopefully, you know, some of these shows stick out um, for you and have stuck out for you throughout the TCA coverage that you've been reading on IndieWire.com. Yes, which of um, course you've been reading diligently. Right. Uh, hopefully that will help you in the future to make the best choices possible for your TV watching enjoyment. Speaking of which, Benjamin... What was the best thing you watched last week? Oh, Liz, that's a great question. Um, I think of the things I'm allowed to discuss. It's probably still casual, but I said that last week. That's all right. Uh, I'll let you. You're having a I could, I could say an Emmy for Megan because I had seen it, but I had to rewatch it before I talked to her, and that's still a treat. Oh. <laughs> I still will never get over the episode of that show, which just starts with her saying, I found out that there's no length requirement for episodes. Yeah, and then it just, you know, segs into uh, All celebrity famous- endorsements. Yes. Oh, God, that episode's good. The, the best part, the best, yeah, the best part of that episode is that even though it didn't have to go on even past the point where she said it, the celebrity endorsements were endorsing something that clearly they hadn't seen because it wasn't out. Like yeah. it hadn't even, so it was just, I, I, there are so many levels to that 
show, an Emmy for Megan, available on Vimeo right now, and Emmy nominated twice over, um, that, that need to be kind of appreciated in a very honest way, and then at the same time, it's just so fun and silly that it, you want to keep having fun with it, and yeah. that's okay, too. That's so. It's all good. It's all good, um, man. Well, Liz, what was the best thing you watched last week? Um, I'm going to... I mean, technically, it's going to... Technically, it's going to be Better Call Saul because I have to write the review for tomorrow night or for Monday night as you listen to this. Better Call Saul premiering uh, Monday uh, on AMC. Don't forget and make sure you watch because it's great. Uh, but I gotta, I gotta say, I am. I've got a few hours left uh, before I basically blow my deadline uh, to decode how I feel about the affairs, uh, the, the affairs latest episode, which makes takes a huge narrative swing, and it may or may not work out well because it is the you know the affair sometimes is a little wobbly in its execution of big ideas but let's just say if you're an affair watcher last week the sunday night's episode blew you was mind-blowing on a, a, based on a major twist and it's gonna be really interesting to see how the following two episodes of the season uh, deal with it and it's gonna be really interesting to see how they choose to address it with season five so there's two episodes left this year yeah. after this one after this one two more it's a 10, 10 episode season yeah it's a weird it's a there's a lot of a lot of questions i wish i had the time energy to do post-mortems post-mortem interviews but i'm sure somebody else has and i'm really looking forward to seeing the general reaction to what happens so uh yeah ben what's the next thing you're looking forward to uh the next thing i'm looking forward to is insecure season three mm-hmm. um it comes out sunday as you're listening to this and it's a show that i feel like made a pretty significant step forward in the second season um some of the discussions that i've only seen kind of in headline and tweet form about you know where they're taking season three seems really interesting and healthy to me in terms of growing it uh as her story as Issa's story primarily and i think that's a good thing for the show um so I'm very much looking forward to checking that out, and I I hope that I mean even if it's just even if it's as good as season two, it's it's still one of the better shows on TV. So um, so it's always going to be worth uh, discussing and, and enjoying. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see kind of what they do with it, and that's that's right around the corner. Uh-huh. Uh, surprisingly enough, it felt like a show that was so far away because it was in August and that was the end of the summer. And we're in August now, Liz. Yeah, so I'm not really down with that. I, kind of, I was kind of like, I mean, not that I was loving July, but July is was felt safe. It felt like a safe place where there weren't a ton of shows premiering. I have so many words of interview with Better Call Saul people, Ben. <laughs> so many. I just need it. And I'll just break it up. Uh, break it up, Liz. Nah. Chunks. No. Got to just just go, just go dump all the words in a doc in, in a in a WordPress and just hit publish and then walk into the sea. Oh God! All right. Well, that's one extreme. Um, before you, <laughs> before you do that, perhaps save yourself by discussing what you're looking forward to. Um, I mean, I'm gonna just say I'm looking for. I I will not be able to say what I think about it. I haven't watched a single frame of it. Um, but I feel like the next time I really get to dig into a screener, I'm excited for. It's going to be BoJack Horseman and. It is going to make me very happy in that way in which I get very happy when I watch BoJack Horseman because it is a perfect show. Not a perfect show, but it is such a good show. And I love it, and I'm very excited to see more of it. And then and sometime in September, I'm allowed to tell you what I think about it. At some point. At some point. It's the gonna embargo be, will lift. And embargoes lift, and reviews will run. And, the, and they will run on IndieWire.com, where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. 
Uh, make sure to listen to all of IndieWire's lovely other podcasts, including Turn It On with our own Michael Schneider, uh, the one that started it all, Screen Talk with Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson, and of course, um, the actual perfect podcast from the perfect person, Chris O'Fault's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. Indeed. Uh, you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet, that's with an I, and then an E. Correct. Uh, oh, I want to shout out to Devin Johnson uh, from BBC America who said he listens to the podcast. Uh, if he actually does listen to the podcast, uh, hi, Devin. It was lovely to see you the other night. Um, and thank you to Devin. Thank you to everyone else who listens. And as always, you guys, keep watching television. <laughs>